0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: So based on the survey says, I'm going to go ahead and and speak on this. So I'm not driven by anything other than truly I love you and I want you to have a close relationship with the Lord, and I don't want to leave the subject of money out because Jesus doesn't do that. So I hope that would be a good place for us to begin there. So those are the misconceptions. Let's go to the third reason. There is a need for us to be models and mentors to others. I alluded to this a moment ago, but I want to park on this. Models and mentors is a little bit different. A model is you just live it right, and the other is going to be a mentor. I am really committed to discipleship. Now, I will do my one-on-ones, but I know that I'm blessed shepherding a church that is loaded with many Christians. And, um, but I also want you to take this message and pass it on to others. That's why you have an outline version. That's why we're letting you know that you can get a CD copy of this. That's why that they're going to put this on the Internet so you can listen to it again. But with the intention of, here it is, that you would bring other people to these truths. Now, I would hope that as you're doing this, you would bring them through what your understanding of Scripture is, too, so you don't just polyparrot ponds. I don't think I've ever said that before, all right? But the point still being is it's not polyparroting me. It's taking God's Word and giving it to them. I want you to do that. Now, who should you begin with? Your kids. Many years ago, um, I was so burdened about kids using their money wisely that I put together a seminar that was called Teaching Your Children How to Handle Money. Out of all the seminars that I've done across the country, that happened to be one of the most popular ones because I'd have the parents come and their kids come to sit in on this as we went through how do you help your kids handle money. Do you, know you want to know what the number one question I got before a parent would come and bring their kids? Would you, like to, you would think, well, how old is it that they can come? I said, well, as long as they can sit through a, you know, a three- or four-hour seminar and at least be quiet through it all, bring them, bring them, bring them. I said, that wasn't it. Here's my number one question. How can I teach my kids about money if I'm such a failure at it myself? Now, they didn't say quite like that, but that's basically what they were saying. And you want to know what my answer is? My answer is is a little bit of a paragraph, but I think you'll understand. Not every professional NBA coach played professional NBA basketball. So they could coach the players even though they themselves never played at the NBA level because they knew what they needed to do. And so maybe you have not been equipped in doing this. And I would say, that's why I'm having this seminar, because I care for the next generation, and you will be the best person. So I would like you to come, and if your kids don't get anything directly from it, you could get your finances together so that you can then model it in front of your kids, and then you can begin to mentor them. And so I could go through a lot of Q&A on that, but I want you to know that my desire is that you would help them. I mean, I said, my kids don't even listen to me right now. I get that, but maybe your grandkids will. Here's why. You have to connect before you correct. And so maybe with your kids, there's still a little bit of a misconnection because of X reasons. But that doesn't mean that you have not connected to your grandkids because your grandkids just freely love you because you're Candyman or whatever. You know, They just love you, all right? And so with them, you can begin modeling it. I, um, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Thankfully, my dad came to know Christ as Savior. For whatever reason, my dad, oh, I know the reason, he, did, he didn't have a dad. His dad died by getting killed by a streetcar in Chicago. At six, and when my dad was 16, he just didn't have anybody. And so he committed himself to becoming the dad to me. Carol and I, I can tell you, these principles work, and my dad modeled it. We own our own house, it's paid for, Every car that we have in the last 40 years of our marriage have been all paid for. We have absolutely no debt, and we're just a pre- poor preacher boy. Now, we didn't win the lottery. We had no inheritance. It was just applying these principles over an extended period of time. My dad sat me down one time when I wanted to buy my first car. You know what it was? It was a fastback Mustang when they first came out. You remember that, guys, the fastback? There it was. It was a one-year-old one, and I, I, ha- I had to have that. My dad never told me no. You know what he said? He said, Stan, let's, let's look at the finances of it, all right? We looked at the cost of the car. He says, now, you're going to have to pay for your own insurance because I don't want mine to go up just because you're a teenager, all right? So you're going to have to work to pay for this and pay for that. Now, how much do you think it's going to cost to put gas in it? How many miles do you think you're going to drive? It took him hours to go through this, never once telling me, no, I couldn't do it. All he said, let, let the, the finances speak to us. Then he says, how much money? How long would you have to work? And then how much school would you have to give up? And I said, I can't afford this. And so I never got that car. I hate my dad to today, but (laughs) no, no, I'm joking. But I'll tell you, I I, I don't have that car, but I do have the finances today that I can enjoy my life to be able to serve you at whatever we can do to serve you. Marrying Carol, I'm getting ready to marry my wife. I'm now a poor Bible college student. And I uh, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a scholarship, nothing. Had to pay for my education because my dad says I'm not paying for it. He says I'll give you a place to stay. You know, you can sleep in our house, and I'll feed you when you're here, but you're on your own. And so then he sat me down and says, what do you think a wife is going to cost you? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And he says, well, here's the answer. And I said, what is it, Daddy? And he says, never enough. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> All joking aside, he laid it all out for me. It took hours and hours and hours to go through this to decide on a budget. I'm not bragging on my dad. What I am doing is bragging on God. God's truth will work in your life whether you have a good fat year or you have a horrible year where things just collapse on you. It's all in that little snapshot that is not your life forever. So I want you to know there is hope for you. And so I would hope that you would learn this so that you can model it and you can mentor it, whether it's with your own kids or the kids in our youth department here or beyond, that you could do that. Here's number four. Uh... This one is a hard one for me to really explain. Um, I'm going to say God has led me to teach on this. God has prompted me to teach on this. I heard no voice, so I don't know how much of it is of the Lord, how intellectualized. I did the surveys. I thought about what to speak on. You haven't heard this in a while. So there was a lot of reasons. So maybe all of that together is the Lord leading me. So I don't want to get too uh, mystical on all of this. Uh, But I also don't want you to think I just... I woke up one morning and said, you know, I think I'm going to speak on money. No, I wasn't like that. It was a serious matter before God that I I petitioned him on all of this. But let's go a little bit further. God led me to teach on this series to equip you to glorify God. I want you to glorify the Lord, and it's not just made up only in praise music. It's a big part of it, and I enjoyed our praise immensely uh, today and last week and what God's doing, but it's glorifying the Lord through biblical means. Put that in there in all caps, biblical means of getting, guarding, and giving your money. I told you today's message is not so pretty and practical as much as it is foundational to really understand our finances. So I'm here to equip you to glorify the Lord. Don't ever forget that. But in the area, though, as we're going through this series on getting, guarding, and giving your money. So what's our first subject on God's mind, understanding our finances? The overall principle is this, all right? This is the biggest principle. If you didn't hear anything else I say today, if you get this principle, it'll put you in the right direction. Here it is. It is not our finances, but God's finances. It is not our finances or resources. It is God's finances or resources. So when you go to your checkbook little or much, or you go to your investments, little or much, you go to your uh, houses and cars and jewelries and other things that you have, I want you to know little or much, all of that is of the Lord. Whether he outright handed it to you or you found it on the side of the road or he gave you the ability mentally to be able to acquire the knowledge, the skill set, to be able to do your job and that you got a job that he opened up the door for, and now you're transferring the time and energy you put into that job, and at the end of the week, bi- uh, biweekly or monthly, you get that money back. I want you to know it's all coming from the Lord. Can I hear an amen on that? Okay, that's what we want to know. It is his money. Therefore, when we study this tru- these truths, then it's his money. Now we're going to give him all the praise and the glory back for everything that surrounds it. So I'll use the word money, but I reluctantly do that because at times the Lord will speak of silver and gold, but not every time is he only talking about money. It's more than money. It's our our tangible resources that you might have, whether they're liquid with cash or investments that you have in a house or property or something like that. It's everything that God has given to us, but generally around the idea of, of the basic needs of life that he provides for us. So with all of that, I'd like to give you eight uh, truths regarding understanding our money. But again, if you only understand that it's all God's and he's allowed us to have this and that he can do what he wants with it, once he's given it to us, you've got it all. So here we go. Number one, all money belongs to God and he can do what he wants with it. All money belongs to God and he can do what he wants with it. Haggai basically says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. So for just a moment I'd like you to meditate on that whole thought what you have belongs to God now I think you're okay with that really I really do think you're okay with that the hard part that you and I have is this therefore he can do whatever he wants with it did you catch that part that's the hard part so if you bought a brand new car and somebody plows in the back of it as whatever cuz all he does all purposes according to his will. Um, that's okay. If, you're, if your house is broken into and they stole your brand new computer, it'll disappoint me because we want to be a manager, but we don't own it. We, we did the job we could to protect it. We had the security system there. We didn't leave it in front of the window and say, take it. You know, we didn't do that. But it all belongs to the Lord, and he can do what he wants with it. I especially like the passage we read in Deuteronomy, and I pray that you'll remember through that again that He has given us the power to get wealth. My greatest illustration in the Bible of this that really helps me, and by the way, it has not been i our house was broken into, not here, but other places. We've had things stolen. Carol was at Walmart one day, and she got ready to pay, and someone had gotten into her purse, and she said, "It was right. It was right there." the good news is she had her credit cards or all of her important stuff was all in another part of her purse and all they got was basically an empty wallet with my picture in it. And that's all they got. <laughs> what a shock that was when they opened it, right? But my point still is, is no matter what happens, it's, it's the Lord. Now, here's my example. Job had it. Job lost it. Job got it back. Now, if Job just said, look at me, I'm really wealthy. And then he lost it. And I, 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 I can't ever imagine the pain that he experienced. No matter what I go through, I'll never know that pain emotionally, physically, socially. And yet, the book wasn't finished yet. It still went on. So I don't know where you are, but your journal, again, is being written. And today's only one little page of it. All right, let's go to number two. Money is given from God. And Moses cautioned the people not to forget that truth. Money is given from God. It's a gift. It comes from God. It's a gift from God. Now I would like to open up that passage a little bit more. In verse 11 here of chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, it says, Beware that you do not forget your Lord God by not keeping His commandments, His ordinances, and His statues, which I'm commanding you today. This is interesting that um, if I'm keeping these things, it will prevent me from forgetting God. If I'm not keeping these things, then I slip into forgetfulness of this. Then he says, otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses, so I, I've eaten good, I've got great houses, I even get a chance to live in that good house, and when your herds and your flocks, there'll be cattle and, and, and sheep, they multiply, so they're not you're, you're, you're getting more and more and more, and your silver and gold, more and more and more, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget. The Lord. So two ways I can forget the Lord. One is by not keeping the commandments. And then secondly, by having so much, and I don't remember that it's coming from Him, that pride then causes me to forget God. It goes on to say, otherwise you may say in your heart, my power. I like the way Charlie read the scripture when he said, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, and now underline it for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Now, that spoke to me because it let me understand that wealth will not be necessarily given to me. Some of you have wealthy relatives. It's likely that you're going to get money. Some of you are probably already in that money train coming down from them, and I I celebrate that. Some of you have got some great investments. Unless the world explodes, which it's likely to do, if you know what I mean, rhetorically speaking, that could be gone. But what God has given to you and me is just basically the power to get money. That's the ability to go out and get a job. Now watch this. Sometimes young people, they're, they're out there in this world, <clears throat> and they want two things. They want as much now what took you two decades to get. Am I right on that? Okay. The second thing that they want is, um, and this is not only kids, so I'm not indicting kids right now. But there are some people that they won't get a job because they only want a career. Did you catch what I'm saying? I'm not anti-career mindedness, but sometimes we sit around all the time and we want to get that career right away instead of just getting a job. In many cases, not all, no sense, in many cases, people can get a job if they really want to work. There's enough work out there if they really want to work. The question is, Is are they really willing to work? Because God has given them the power, but he hasn't given them, let me say it correctly, he's given them the power to get it, but he doesn't control your free will to go out and get it. Did you catch that? And so I want you to know that it's all there. And I love that about the Lord. So all of that is a gift from the Lord, and I really, I really relish in that. You'll see I put down here 1 Timothy chapter 6. Next week when we're back, I'm going to do an exposition of chapter 6 of 1 Timothy along with a bunch of other verses and some points. So I won't open that up, but if you have the outline, you're going to see 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17 to support that. Let me go to the second truth to remember as far as a foundation on funding. That is, having money is not wrong. Having money is not wrong. 1, Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 2.7 says, "...the Lord makes poor and rich." Now, that concept is not only in 1 Samuel. I would encourage you to do a deeper study, go into the passage, define poor, define rich, also define the context in which it is written, but it still boils down that God is sovereign and that He chooses then who will have more, who will have less based on His purpose of bringing glory to Himself, and all of that is a much bigger scheme than we'll ever understand because it's all about God in His ultimate purpose for everyone individually and corporately together through time so that being said the lord makes poor and rich so it's not a sin to have money i'm going to give you a bunch of names right now then i'd like you on the way home come up with other names as you talk to your mate about that you found in the bible here we go abraham in the bible the father of the jewish nation we could call he was a very wealthy individual i would also put next to that i believe that lot was wealthy in some measure, maybe not as much, but pretty wealthy enough to create a problem that they had to separate amongst other reasons. Then you had Job. We've already talked about him having so many herds and flocks and kids and money and everything. Then you have Solomon. They were all extremely wealthy. Now, I stayed in the Old Testament to let you know that we are a church that believes both Old and New Testament. But if I move into the New Testament, I like to always think of Joseph of Arimathea who then provided the tomb in which Jesus was, was buried. And so he was a wealthy person, and there were other wealthy people. Now, I'm not going to go through a litany of them, but who do you think was wealthy in Scripture? Could it be the virtuous woman and her husband? I don't know. Think about it. Have that conversation. They all had money. And so having money is not wrong. It's what you do with that money, and watch this now, and why you do with that money that makes it right or wrong. So You can do something with it, but now why are you doing what you're doing? It all kind of fits together. So let's go to number four, the fourth truth and that is Christians must be willing and ready to part with their money and resources if God requires so. Now, the require part is more like if God leads you to do that, if there is some need, there's sometimes there's a regular thing we give because we're supposed to give. We do that not so much out of obligation, but more out of responsibility. But at the same time, there are times that he will have us give. Look at Job 121. <clears throat> He said, Naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I look at the statement, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. That's a theology. That's a doctrine. That's a truth. There's no quibbling about that. That's intellectual knowledge. But it's the rest of that that really spoke to me. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what you want to underline in your Bible. He said, I know the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but now he's saying, how do I, how do I, how do I respond to that? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so it's not just thrown in there as a little quippy little phrase. It's connected to the whole thought of the emotional and the financial acquiring or loss of something because he put it into perspective. You know what? I came into this world naked. Basically, I'm going to go out of this world naked. Whatever I had, whatever I lost, whatever I get, it's all of the Lord. So it really doesn't matter because it's what he gave to me as tools to build, tools to um, help others. And so what I'm going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The other day I was in the store and... um, this lady in front of me that was buying something she was the most crotchety angry she just tore into that person that was behind the register there and i i was asking myself what do i do how do i handle this and i kept asking long enough that the lady finally left and i didn't have to do anything <laughs> but I, but i kept asking myself that and then the lady said when i got and i paid my bill and she says oh i'm having such a rough day and I thought, well, maybe I could encourage her. I know what I'm about to say, I don't know if it did or not, but I, I simply said, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I could be here. I'm, I'm grateful that we could have this time. I'm sorry you had to go through that with that other lady. But you know what it all, what helps me get through life is I could be living in Afghanistan right now. I could be in, in, in war. I could be in Houston. I could be in Puerto Rico. I could be in a Caribbean island right now. And I know that that's all going to pass. It's going to have some bad times, but there's going to be some good times. And there may be a time that the Lord is going to remove something or someone that is very dear to me. And I hope that I'd be so filled with the Spirit that I could, like Job say, blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's the attitude that he wants us to have. So having money is not wrong, but I need to be willing and ready to give up when God, watch this, takes back what he already owns. It's just to start with. So all I've got to do is manage it for his glory. Let's go to number five. This one is a a no-brainer, but sometimes we forget about it. And that is preferential treatment should not be given to those who are wealthy. Preferential treatment should not be given to those who are wealthy. That famous passage is found in James chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And if you don't mind, it, I'd like you to turn there in your Bibles. I give you most of the verses written out for you to kind of help you along, but I don't want us to just come and bring our pens and a notebook without having our Bibles to actually write it. If you use your electronic Bible, that's fine. You can look at it in a different translation. It's however you want. I want to read the passage of Scripture to you only because it behooves us as believers in Christ to go through this passage again and again and again because because our church has been blessed with much fluency, I want us never to forget those that don't have and that we are fair to those that don't have. So I want to read this through. There's going to be very little commentary on this, but I'm going to let the Word of God be used by the Spirit of God to remind the child of God these truths. Let's look at it. James says this, My brethren... Do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. In other words, whatever we got from the Lord, this faith that we have, it's not just, ooh, I got it, it's all mine. It's out there for others. It's not keep the faith, baby, it's give it out. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man and, dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, hey, you sit here in this good place, up over here, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down here at my feet. Basically, you're not sitting in something, you're sitting on the floor standing up. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves? And now you become judges with Evil motives, why you're doing this? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich, and I love it, in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored this poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you even? I always have to think that we might think we're rich, but there's always someone richer than we are. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Because you're a Christian, they take advantage of you. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, and there it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law, Just as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, implying this point.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.